You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Hi, and welcome to SpyCast, from the secret files of the International Spy Museum in Washington, D.C. I'm Dr. Vince Houghton, the museum's historian and curator. Every week, SpyCast brings you interesting conversations with authors, scholars, and practitioners who live in the world of global espionage. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns about SpyCast, or if you want to suggest someone who might be a good future guest, email us at spycast at spymuseum.org. That's spycast at spymuseum.org. Also, if you like what you hear, and even if you don't, please take a minute to review us on iTunes or whatever platform you might be listening. We're always looking for ways to make SpyCast better, and you can help. This is Chris Costa, Executive Director of International Spy Museum in Washington, D.C. Today, we're privileged to be joined virtually by Colonel Jerome Fuchs, current commander of GSG-9 the elite unit of the German federal police that responds to complex coordinated attacks, domestic and religious motivated terrorism in high profile cases, such as child pornography and violent criminal cases, as well as international hostage taking and kidnapping internationally. Jerome, thank you very much for calling in to us today. Thank you, Chris, it's my pleasure. So I hope everyone in Germany are staying healthy during this pandemic. It seems that Germany has done a great job through this crisis. It's important to note right up front that Jerome and I have known each other for almost a decade. I was privileged to first meet Jerome and the then commander of GSG-9, Olaf Lindner, in Israel. And that's a great place really to start a discussion. Can you explain why we were hosted by Israel a decade ago, and also kind of tie that into the story of GSG-9's origins. Yes, uh, Chris, um, it was a great meeting where we both uh, were invited. Um, the meeting was hosted by uh, the Yamam, the Israeli uh, counterterrorism unit of the Israeli police. And yeah, it uh, was a, a conference where we had to solve uh, different uh, cases. We had to discuss different approaches, how to solve uh, uh, terrorist attacks uh, in Tel Aviv. And yeah, so this is where Chris, uh, we both met first time and um, yeah, other units joined the meeting as well. So I remember uh, the Canadians and uh, France yeah, so it was a, um, a great meeting um, and I, I have the best uh, memories to it. And yeah, you mentioned the ties in between um, GSG-9 and, um, and Israel. And 
we have a, a very close link uh, to to Israel because um, yeah our our roots the roots of cheese genine go back to the Israeli counterterrorism units and I think we we can discuss it in in detail right now right you know what happened in 1972 can you talk a little bit about that and that really started the GSG9 story before you even existed so yeah our roots um, go back to 1972 um, the during the Olympic Games in Munich there was a attack of a Palestinian terror command it was called Black September and they attacked the Israeli Olympic team and the tragedy was that all hostages, uh, the terrorists and the police officer uh, were killed. And back in the days in Germany, no special, neither the police nor the military special police force existed, uh, who was able to uh, respond to these kind of attacks. And that was uh, the reason um, why yeah, GSG-9 uh, was established as a special section of the former uh, Bundesgrenzschutz Federal Border Guard, now Federal Police. Well, it started from tragedy and then it became world-renowned as a specialized uh, police unit. And your founder uh, had a lot to do with that. Can you talk a little bit about General Wagoner? Yeah, so about General Wegener, he was uh, the founder of GSG-9 and he was uh, back in the days in the 70s uh, a liaison officer of the Federal Border Guard at the MOI. And he got the task to establish um, a special unit. And uh, yeah, he was a, a very charismatic leader. And um, you, you have to remember that we, we got our first knowledge uh, from Great Britain and also uh, a lot of knowledge from Israel. And um, yeah, so th that, this is very remarkable from my uh, point of view um, that he could open doors as a German officer in Israel to, to get knowledge for a special unit. But uh, yeah, he managed it and um, he had a um, very wise and very future orientated uh, visions. And yeah, so we, we things uh, left in, in GSG-9 from the 70s and, and uh, one very uh, special thing is our dark green beret and uh, the organization of the, of the teams so we we still keep a lot of of this knowledge from from the 70s until today so as a kind of tradition well and sadly uh, the general passed away uh, but i had an opportunity to meet him thanks to you jerome and of course we presented him with a flag that came from somalia uh, what was the significance of that somali flag if you can tie it to one of your most famous operations, uh, I think our listeners would love to hear this story. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, for sure, it, it was a 
uh, a great gift you offered to the uh, general because the most well-known operation of GSG-9 was done in uh, Somalia. And um, so it was in uh, 77 when a, a German aircraft, the Lufthansa aircraft Landshut, um, was kidnapped and there were 77 German hostages uh, on board and um, they made a, a tour um, around the world with this uh, aircraft to to finally land in in Mogadishu and yeah so we made the the operation uh, 77 to free all the hostages uh, the operation was led by uh, Ulrich Wegener it was uh, very successful and yeah it's a it's a very important part of the the history of GSG-9 and although we already fulfilled around 1900 missions since we were established it's the most famous one uh, until today and for sure we all are proud about uh, this this operation um yeah but uh but it's it's part of the history but uh, a main part of our history so i think it's a remarkable story and actually as i was ramping up to do this talk with you i found that we actually have a book on the uh on the operation called storming flight 181 uh in our store so that that was exciting to know so uh hopefully we will introduce more people to the story by listening to this podcast so let's just uh, want to go back to one question i have about the Lufthansa hijacking. What was the tie-in to the Red Army faction who were terrorists that were operating throughout Germany at the time? Yeah, so there was a, a, a special tie. So you, you mentioned the Red Army fraction and the PLO, and there was a very uh, close tie. There were several uh, terrorists um, arrested in a, a German prison in the, the south of Germany, and uh, yeah, so the the whole uh, action to to kidnap the the uh, Landshut, the airplane, was to free these terrorists, um, and yeah. Finally, when they got the information that GSG-9 um, fulfilled the, the mission successfully, they uh, immediately committed suicide uh, in prison. And uh, yeah, so this was uh, the end for, for these terrorists and for our operation. So that's a, a great historical context, really. So let's flash forward until today can you summarize what the gsg9 does on a day-to-day -day basis now yeah yeah so um i think important to know is that we operate uh, domestic and abroad uh, so this is this is important to know yes we are a police unit but um, we operate also abroad and our main topic for sure is counterterrorism. We support the different police units in Germany. So 
for sure the the federal police the bundespolizei also the bundeskriminalamt it's the german fbi and the state police and um so we do warrant arrests on a on a daily basis and Chris, I'm, I'm talking to the director of the spy museum and um, I, I remember um, a case where we arrested two Russian spies in a small town in, in Germany. And I think this is a, maybe a nice example because uh, it was a case like in the, in the Cold War. And um, we worked together close with the investigation units and with the intelligence. And yeah, our task was to uh, to arrest these uh, these spies uh, uh, in a in a moment when they when they are active. And yeah, we we arranged it. Uh, it was a I think a, a great success for the whole police and intelligence uh, community. So this this was not a uh, a very common case, but I think you you should know it. Um, and yeah, so what we what we do else is uh, fighting organized crime if it comes to to drug dealing uh, or um, yeah, if we have to to do operations on on different targets like uh, complex uh, buildings or a lot of training on, on special objectives like uh, ships, airplanes, trains. So yeah, this is, this is, these are main tasks. And I think the most important right now, if you see the, the situation in, in Europe with the uh, complex attacks, um, this is a, a main task for us. So. For sure, it doesn't happen every day, <laughs> but uh, we have to prepare. We have to be prepared uh, to have a rapid response to these uh, complex attacks. And uh, yeah, another uh, field we are we are involved is fighting uh, child pornography. You you already mentioned. So yesterday right. we had an in this field um, so yeah I think uh, I, I hope I, I did not forget uh, a main part but I think that's it we'll be right back after this and now a word from our sponsor Zscaler the leader in cloud security Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.
No, you you did a great job running down your mission lines. Uh, I really appreciate that you shared that perspective on re arresting the spy. You knew that was one of my favorite stories. I really appreciate you sharing that with our listeners. So let's just jump into your career briefly. Just how did you end up in GSG9? And what's different from the GSG9 you you joined many years ago until today? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I started in '97 um, uh, in uh, GSG9, and uh, yeah, I was motivated by one uh, officer of GSG9. Um, in '96, I was at the German Bundeskriminalamt and. So this GSG-9 officer was there for four weeks. And um, yeah, so we had a lot of uh, discussions and uh, I asked uh, a lot of questions to him. And after these four weeks, um, my decision was clear. I wanted to apply at GSG-9 and, and so did I. And yeah, in, in 97, I joined the command and um, yeah, I'm, I'm still here. Yeah, <laughs> so what's... What's different from the beginning uh, until today? I think uh, a main difference um, are the training and education methods. Um, they changed, so we implement more physical and mental science findings in our basic and specialized training. Um, and for sure, the, the organization itself changed um, uh, a, a lot of times. And um, we, are, we are never at the end. So um, we always try to, to organize ourselves to, to have the best response to, to the threats. So speaking of threats, can we dive a little bit deeper on international hostage taking? I mean, what is the scope of the problem for Germany regarding international hostage-taking? Yeah, so, you know, Chris, we have German embassies everywhere. We have development workers, uh, companies at the hotspots worldwide. And uh, so, same as with the U.S. Um, so, this is a, um, a problem for us, and for sure we um, we try to be prepared for every situation abroad and we prepare the um, freeing of, of hostages. Um, we have supported the BKA a lot of times by advising uh, also the crisis reaction center of the foreign office. Um, you, you will understand that I can't go too deep into the, the right. details of these operations because they are um, confidential. But um, yeah, you know, it's it's a very, very complex uh, situation where a, a lot of different organizations have to work together uh, to, to get the success. No, thank you. I appreciate the sensitivities, but that gives us a flavor for how you think about hostage taking overseas. Can you walk us through some of the terrorist problems that you have today uh, domestically in Germany, what your concerns are? 
I know you've had some ISIS shootings. Uh, can you talk us through that a bit? Yeah, absolutely. So um, th this is uh, the, one of the main threats we have um, in, in Germany right now. And um, not just in Germany, also in, in Europe. And we, we try to, to have an exchange of experience with the other um, European uh, nations and uh, units. And one, one thing is that we yeah, have, to, have to improve our um, possibilities in, in being ready for, for a rapid response. Um, so we establish right now, or we established um, another unit of GSG-9 in, in Berlin to be faster uh, at the spot. So right. Germany is not a very big country, but um, uh, if, if it comes to, to such an attack you, you mentioned, um, we have to be very fast. And um, so we, we had different cases in in germany not not real complex it's more the the lonely wolf attack this is the the other uh, main threat um we we have to take care about um and if if we don't manage to be right on time at the spot because you know these these kind of attacks they they just they, they are done in a few minutes. And um, so we, we know that. And one other response of, of GSG-9 is that we transfer parts of our knowledge, how to handle such a situation to the first responders. So uh, we, we did a lot of training with other police units in, in Germany and, um, yeah, and we uh, gave parts of our knowledge to these units. And you, you can imagine that's not very easy for a, um, for a special unit to know um, maybe you are not the one who's solving the situation, but you are the one who can uh, prepare others very, very well. And yeah, so this is what we do. On the, on the one hand, being prepared as a command if if it comes to a complex attack which takes uh, hours or maybe days until it's it's ended and for the for the uh, yeah, lonely wolf attacks to prepare the others no and, and that's a good explanation on why you moved to berlin as well or why you didn't move to berlin but you opened up a new uh, operation center, I, I guess, if you will, in Berlin. Yeah, so that's that right. Makes... And if if you look at the other European uh, capitals like Paris, uh, London, Madrid, um, main attacks happened in in the capitals, and uh, so it it was a, a political decision to have the GSG nine as uh, the counterterrorism unit of the federal police also in the capital. Um, so our other base is close to Bonn, the, the former capital. So this is uh, still our main base. But uh, since last year, we have these two 
basis. Born in Berlin. So thank you for that. I, I uh, want to ask you, and I realize there might be sensitivities, but do you have a relationship? Does GSG9 work well with the German intelligence community? Yes. So uh, due to our history, um, we have to stick very close to certain standards and, and laws, but we have several junctions where we merge the information. And so this is the way we get the information we need for our operation. That provided excellent clarity and I appreciate that. Um, so let me ask you one final question about counterterrorism more broadly. Uh, any future trends? You talked about lone wolves. Are there other things related to counterterrorism that you're worried about in the future? Yeah, so I I think uh, the the lone wolves are one of the main uh, problems we have. Another uh, development. Uh, we worry about is um, especially the the right wing fraction in in Germany, for example, uh, the Reichsbürger. Um, we we worry about them, and um, yeah, we we had uh, also operations uh, against uh, right wing people, um, and yeah, so also the the hostage situation international, like I mentioned, we, we will uh, also in, in the future um, be represented um, by, by Germans abroad. We'll, yeah. So this, this, this situation won't, uh, won't change for us. So we, we have to be prepared for these uh, situations as well. And um, thank you. I, I, I think I, let me just add, uh, uh, Chris, um, how how we we try to to better respond to to these kind of attacks. And so one approach we made uh, in the federal police was to establish um, the federal police special operations command eleven. Um, yeah, for a, a better interoperability of the special units and uh, skills in the federal police. And so we, we try to combine all these skills better yeah, to, to have a, a better response to, to the threat. What about COVID-19 shifting gears a little bit? How is that affecting GSG9's work right now? Yeah, I think it's not a real uh, effect on our command. For sure, we um, we we changed the the system a little bit, and uh, we sent um, people from the from the support sections to the to the home office, but uh, it it doesn't uh, work with the operational units. So we we uh, built groups who worked together and not getting in, in contact with, with other groups. Um, so yeah, we, we had some regulations for the, we have 
regulations for for the training but uh, i think if it if it comes to a to a bigger operation we we will uh, arrange and uh, execute it um, like before uh, COVID-19. So transitioning a bit, I have told you this before, but for our listeners, one of my highlights of my time on the National Security Council serving the White House in the current administration was hosting you, your teammates, and the president of the federal police, Dr. Roman, when we shared some of our common concerns that the U.S. and Germany share on terrorism issues, such as lone wolf attacks, which you referenced. What was your key takeaway from, from that amazing visit? Yeah, Chris, first of all, I, I have to, to thank you personally for uh, arranging this uh, great visit um, for our uh, president, Dr. Roman, but also for, for me and, and the teammates. That was really uh, great. And yeah, for me, it was the, the key was to see how important it is to, to share the experience in between uh, the US and Germany if it comes to uh, terrorism issues. Um, and yeah, I think especially for Dr. Roman, um, the the airport security was was very important to share this knowledge uh, in between the the TSA and the U.S. Customs with the federal police. So um, yeah, we we all took a, a lot from from this uh, visit. And again, I I want to thank you um, as a as a friend and really uh, organizing this uh, this visit was uh, was very special for all of us well thank you the privilege truly was ours jerome so do you have any final thoughts or reflections is there anything else you would like to add did did i forget to ask you any questions no chris i i just want to thank you personally um, as a friend and yeah for my whole command um, for all you did for cheese g9 and for the friendship in between the u.s special units and um, cheese g9 uh, this friendship and and cooperation is is more important than ever and um, you you did a lot chris and uh, uh, just thank you for it well thank you Jerome, in closing, I again want to thank you personally for being an outstanding commander of GSG-9. I've observed your leadership firsthand, and I've seen how you're a tremendous friend and partner to the United States, and I think that's an important theme. Both you, your predecessor, Olaf Lindner, and the many GSG-9 operators, who I could mention by name, but I won't, uh, you have all inspired me and made me a better leader. So I am really grateful. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chris. The International Spy Museum is a full 501c3 nonprofit. If you want to donate to the museum, or if you're local and want to volunteer at the museum, please visit our website at spymuseum.org for more information.